I'm Josh McDonald. And I'm Miranda Materi, and we are Hand Therapy Academy. One of the take-homes from the ASHD conference that I was at not too long ago was uh, some tidbits about PIP joint dislocations and how to measure, how to splint, all that good stuff. They talked about the V-sign on an X-ray, which may or may not be super applicable for us, but mostly one of the big take-homes was when we're doing a dorsal blocking splint for a dorsal dislocation of the PIP joint, we're supposed to have 30 degrees of um, extension block. So they should be 30 degrees short of neutral. There's some variation on that, but when they when we're making that splint, chances are the PIP joint has some inflammation. So should we still be measuring dorsally? Miranda, do you measure dorsally when you're doing one of those? Um, I usually do both. And honestly, like, I don't think this is my opinion. So it doesn't really matter if it's 25 degrees versus 30 or if it's 34 versus 30. Like, how exact do we need to be, right? Because the research is never really that exact, especially for a PIP dorsal dislocation. So I'll do either. And I try to get it where, like, if they do have a lot of swelling, I would definitely do lateral. But for the most part, I I think like the only way to really tell is to put them in the splint and then have them go back for x-rays. And that would be the most, that would be accurate then. But I don't think our measurements, even if you do it dorsal versus lateral, are going to be exact. And I would say that when I'm making that dorsal blocking, I don't pull out a goniometer. Like I, you, sometimes you do this long enough and you kind of get a feel for what 30 degrees is, but my eye goes to the lateral side of that digit and looking at center axis of P1 and center axis of P2 and gaining that orientation. If you're a therapist that likes to pull out the goniometer, that's fine. Understand that when you're measuring dorsally, if you put them in that splint and you measure dorsally, you're measuring a swollen and uh, a joint with edema in it. And that is right, raising the center axis of that goniometer and skewing it towards more flexion than it's actually in. And so you should be measuring laterally. One option might be before you pull the splinting material out, take an ink pen, it's just a normal pen, and draw on the lateral side of their finger, center axis of P2 and center axis of P1, so you can get a visual on what that looks like. And if your goniometer doesn't fit in that space or they're hesitant, take a little three by five card and cut out a 30 degree angle so you can hold that there, give yourself something that fits a little easier in there but we shouldn't be using a dorsal reference point for that. Right. I think that's um, an interesting point. And if you're a new grad, right, you're probably not really just too certain of what 30 degrees is either. So I'm not against pulling out the goniometer, but like you, I think when you've been doing it a long time, um, you kind of get an idea. But another point I think that we need to talk about is there are there is some research and articles showing that you don't even need to put the PIP and 30 degrees flexion, right? There's some that show that it actually can be at neutral. And I think this makes sense, right? It makes sense because oftentimes after a dorsal dislocation, one of the biggest complications is a PIP joint contracture. Well, we've just made it worse by holding it in 30 degrees flexion. So when do you decide, or I, I guess it, or the surgeon, when do you decide to put it in 30 degrees versus neutral versus 10 degrees? And how do you make that decision? 
If I don't have clarity from the referring provider, if I can't reach out to him and ask or her, if I can't, if I'm not looking at x-rays or op reports or an, an office visit note about the reduction and the severity of the injury, I'm probably going to default to that 30 degree block just because it's kind of a, a cover your backside kind of thing to say like, listen, there's an awful lot of articles that say a 30 degree extension block is a safe plan of care and we'll deal with the flexion contraction later. But there is room for that full extension position. When do you think we would use that instead? Um, I think if you have your doctor, whoever sent the patient to you, if they're on board, I also think it depends on the severity of the, the severity of the dislocation. Like, was there the volar plate was involved? Is the um, anterior proper ligaments involved? Like, how extensive was that dislocation? How traumatic was it? And how much um, flexion do we need to hold it in based on how traumatic it was? And and how well does the person heal? Right. Is it someone young that's going to scar in fast or is it someone older that might have some healing complications and we need to hold them in a little bit more flexion with a little bit more protection? And so many of the decisions we make on a daily basis with our patients in plan of care and protocols is based on what's safe and protects me from liability. That's why six weeks is when we discharge the flexor tendon splint because that's what research says is six weeks. At five weeks and six days, were they probably okay to discharge that splint? What about five weeks and five days? But because that's the established norm, that's the gold standard, that's what we do. But there's certainly room for flexing around with this a little bit. And if you have a surgeon that says, it was a little dislocation, volar plate's fine, we don't want that volar plate to get stiff, go ahead and put them in full extension. Articles support that that's a reasonable plan of care. I think that's a good, perfectly fine option to do. Just you need a little bit of corroboration before you make the decision out there on your own island. Yeah, definitely. And and make sure you have all the facts, right? Do you do you have the imaging that was done? Do you have the reports that were done? Do you have access to the doctor to ask those questions? And and as a side note, and, and so I, I think we, we've covered some of that well, I'm curious, something popped into my head here. I've had therapists ask me this, employees ask me this, and I'm curious what your answer is. If you're out at one of your kids' basketball games, I was going to say if you're playing basketball, but you and I are old enough, we don't go out and play basketball. Oh, you. Actually, <laughs> okay, yeah, fantastic. Maybe it's just me. last night in the driveway, yeah. Oh, great. Okay. Hoping so I didn't if, injure myself. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so if you're out playing basketball and you dislocate a finger, would you reduce it yourself? Would you, If you saw someone else, would you reduce it? Would you go to an ER or an urgent care? What would you do if you saw a dislocated PIP joint? I would reduce my own. I would reduce my child's. Anybody that couldn't sue me, I would probably reduce it. <laughs> if it's someone else, like a neighbor kid, which could very well be right, I'm not going to reduce it. I'm sending them to um, their parent or to an urgent care or you know the emergency room. How about you? I have a similar answer. It's, it's, and it's as much about protecting myself from liability. I know that I know more about that joint than certainly the urgent care PA that's there working on a Saturday night, probably more than the ER doctor or PA that says, ooh, I saw this on a course I went to, let me give it a try. I know more about what needs to be done. I'd be more likely to reduce a dorsal dislocation 
than I would be a volar dislocation because volar dislocation is more likely to be central slip rupture. But if I'm not going to reduce it, if I'm not comfortable, I'm going to say, go to the ER and ask for the on-call hand surgeon or ask for this hand surgeon specifically. Don't just walk in, have an ER doc reduce it and walk out with an alumafoam splint on there. That's insufficient care. But that's what most of our patients get. And then six weeks later, when their joint's stiff, they go to the hand surgeon. Right. Or so, they end up having, a, like you said, a central slip rupture and nobody knows. It's been missed because it was a volar dislocation, like you said. Yeah, this yeah. But I'm way less likely to do it if I'm walking by the park and some stranger over there has it happen and he wants my business card. Like, you don't need to know my name if I'm an... <laughs> but, but it's unfortunate that that's how we have to think about liability instead of just helping this person and then giving them the information to say, go get this looked at beyond certainly not urgent care. They're good at, at a couple of stitches and some sniffles, but even an ER doc, they're not finger specialists. They don't know how to reduce maybe a shoulder dislocation, but PIP, they don't understand central slip and volar plates. And they're going to say, eh, follow up with, with your primary care doctor in a couple of weeks. So. Right. And, and maybe some of them do, right? It's not all of them. It's just, you know, whatever their experience level might be, but you're right. I think we are so afraid of being sued. Yeah. Yeah. But we as hand therapists know more than almost anyone else are going to go have reduced that. Um, so maybe you reduce it, lock it in. If it's a volar, say, I want you to, I'm going to tape a stick to your finger. Now go to the hand surgeon, something like that. But yeah, trying to do no harm, but not get sued too. Yeah, that's true. I guess you got to know your, you're reducing. <laughs> right. Right. Maybe have a right. disclaimer real fast. Right. Right. A lot of this information, maybe not what to do to get not get sued, is in our PIP course that's out. And if you have uh, any thoughts on your, all this volar dorsal dislocation stuff is a little unclear, you're not sure, we have a course that covers that specifically. All of our courses are free in our pro and CHT prep membership tier. So if you have interest in all of that stuff, check it out on handtherapyacademy.com or you can shoot us an email at info at handtherapy.com and we'd love to answer any questions and help you out any way we can.